praise and clap and shout hallelujah. Amen. How many want to see revival? How many can believe with me we're in revival? Amen. It starts with us. That was a good word from Jose. Amen. It starts with us. We've got to learn and go and let God teach us to get or give, not just get from him. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you to, uh, to fulfill what God put in your hearts. We thank you for bringing what you brought tonight. I know we'll be able to bless Pastor Patterson. I was thinking as I was coming up, one thing that I've learned over the 20 years, is, and this is important for a revival especially, is the key to growth and fruit is getting from the emotional decision of a service to fulfilling your promise. I'm going to got that. See, last night you can be in an emotional state of the anointing. The power of God is here. The anointing is here. And it's not that the anointing leaves us, but there's a word being spoken. You're in God's house. The word's being taught to you and you're excited and you're going, wow, man, whoa, I want to do that. I want to give like he gave. I want to see those miracles. And there's an emotion that comes upon you. And then the next day, like today, you wake up and that emotion's gone. But last night you told God, you do something. How many are following me? And so you can go ahead and not do it. That's you and you have that choice. But what God does is that's where we grow is where we make it from the decision to putting it into practice. And we fulfill our, our, our covenant to God. And the more you do that in your life continuously, the more constantly and consistently you fulfill your word to God, the more God begins to fulfill his word to you. Because he's never going to fail us. It's, whenever things don't work out, it's not God that failed. It's us that failed. And so I just want to encourage you as we come out of this revival. You know, he's been talking a lot since Sunday morning about maturity. And that's one thing we've been praying for as a church. That we would, after now being almost six years old as a church, that we would be mature. And we would, know, we would no longer be on the milk, but we'd be able to eat meat. Amen. And we would do what God has called us to do so we can go to that next level he wants us to go to. So I just encourage you tonight to think about that and not just on a giving night, but of any decision the Lord deals with you at the altar to make sure that that comes to pass in your daily walk. And that's what, that's what really matters. So how many have just really been getting blessed by Pastor Patterson and just been thankful for the words he's been bringing, amen, his heart. Uh, we're always sad to see him go, amen, and we've had such a great time of fellowship. We've told you that there's such great friends to us. We just love sitting around and talking and sharing our passion for the Lord, and uh, we just want to uh, get some more tonight, amen, and uh, you never know what God can do, amen. I always believe that God can extend, he can do miraculous things, amen, he can, he can start a fire tonight that won't end ever. And I just want us to just continue to stay open to revival and open to the Spirit of God. Get your Bibles open, your notebooks out. Take notes, amen. Don't sit there and try to get it all up here. I don't care how smart you are. You'll forget it tomorrow. Try to, try to look at it. Try to remember tomorrow, amen. And so let's, uh, let's just one more time get our hearts ready and our minds ready for what the Lord has put on his heart. I know he's going to bring us a great finishing word tonight. Amen. Let's make Pastor Patterson welcome tonight as he comes forward. Amen. Praise God, amen. How many are you excited? Praise God. You know, I'm, I'll tell you, um, 
Pastor Blake was just mentioning about how sometimes you're in a church service and there is a great uh, uh, emotion. How I many know we, we do get stirred up in church, amen? It's, it, uh, one of the things I learned, it's easy to have faith in church. Oh man, we're going to reach the world for Jesus in church, amen. I could preach on evangelism and, and we share testimonies and it's all, but how many know the rubber meets the road right out there? And that's where, that's where you're molded and shaped right there. And as Pastor Blake was saying, I want to give you an encouraging word. A couple of years ago, in fact, about a year and a half ago, we were in a church service uh, in, uh, actually in the Colorado Springs Church. We were uh, uh, in one of their evening services. They had a revival going on and, and uh, there was an evangelist and he, he gave a challenge for people to give. And uh, he, he actually gave a challenge for a specific amount. He, he said uh, that as he's pastored for a lot of years, he's seen how a lot of people get a breakthrough when they when they actually will give a thousand dollars. And so he was preaching that night about giving, and he said some are going to give a hundred, some will give five, whatever. But there, he he said, I believe there's people here tonight that it would be a great challenge for you to give a thousand dollars. And so uh, 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 some of the folks in my church they gave that commitment, and uh, it, it was exciting. Everybody was at the altar afterwards, you know, and and uh, a lot of stuff was going on. But the next day. Reality hit, and and the 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 thousand uh, dollar pledge was for that month. They had thirty days to make that pledge, and they had written down a pledge and went to the altar and prayed over it. And then I remember the next day, reality hit, and I remember the, the, the brother called me. He said, "Pastor, I got to talk to you, man." He goes, "Last night, you know, I was pretty excited, and and um, I wanted, I really wanted to do that thousand dollars, and I thought, you know, and and I believe that God, you know, spoke to me to do that. And he goes, but." You know, was that guy kind of twisting my arm or was that guy, you know, and he was, now I know none of you would ever think that, but he, my, this guy in my church did and he was like, what should I do? I mean, should I, and I said, listen, I said, let me just ask a question. Through all of the uh, emotion and excitement and everything, did God speak to you to do that? Did God say to you, I want you to give $1,000? He goes, I think he really did. I think that thought came into my mind um, and he says, I know it, well, I didn't tell myself to do it. I said, then, God spoke to you to do it. I said, if you'll commit to doing it, God put it in your hand. And he said, okay. So it was amazing how that, from that point on, when he made that commitment, how he began, he, he does uh, flooring, carpeting, and, and wood floors, and he began to get so much side work. I mean, he worked for a company, but I mean, for the next Two months, he had work on the weekend. He was making more on his side work than he was on his job. He had that thousand come in. He had more. He finally told me, I don't want any more side work, man. I'm so tired. He goes, I don't have any Saturdays, you know. He goes, I've gotten so much work, you know. And I said, well, that's what happens when you give $1,000 to the Lord, you know. But... Um, I wanted to tell you that because I've seen it happen so many times where you make a commitment whether uh, it's $50, $20, $100, or $1,000, doesn't matter, but when you make that commitment, your flesh will fight you, the devil will fight you, but that's how we get breakthroughs, and I shared some of my own personal testimony how there was times where I said, God, I'm going to do this amount. One of the reasons... I thought last year, last night, I thought about taking up the offering last night. It really, I did. I thought in my mind, I thought, you know, I, if, if I teach this, I should give them an opportunity. But I thought, no, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm just going to wait until Wednesday and let them do it in the regular offering. That way, you wouldn't just be doing it out of your emotion. Because it, how many of you learned today how to fight the devil? 
How many today you learn how to resist that spirit of withholding and fear? So that's how we mature. I want you to think about this for a moment, that if there was, if there was no giants to fight, there would be no victories. Nobody goes around, you know, no, could, could you sing David? You know, I know David when he fought Goliath. He was, they, many scholars say he was a teenager, uh, uh, maybe 16 to 19 years of age. And how many know that if you're, let's say you're 19 years old and you whoop a, a 12-year-old? You don't go around, yeah, man, you should, this little 12-year-old man mouthed off to me. I put him in his place. <laughs> Nobody's going to say anything. And they're they're going to look at it like, what's wrong with you? But when 19-year-old David, or however old he was, when he defeats Goliath, amen, nine-foot-tall Goliath, how many know everybody's talking about David has slain his, you know, tens of thousands and so on? They had songs about him now. You see, it's too many times in life, you know what we want? We want God to take away the problem. But God says, no, I want you to be an overcomer. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know what they said? And I'll tell you, this helped me so, so much years ago. I remember reading that story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there they are in Babylon, and they won't bow down to the golden idol. And the, the king of Babylon comes to them and says, don't you know what's going to happen? I'm going to throw you in the fire, and who's going to save you? They said, well, our God will save us. And you know what he said? And what if he doesn't? You're going to be dead in the fire if he doesn't. And you know what they said? They said, it doesn't matter whether our God saves us or not. Let it be known we won't bow down to the gods of Babylon. And that's how you got to have, you know what? What if God doesn't come through for you when you think he should? It doesn't matter. You know, there's been plenty of times where God didn't answer my prayer the way I thought it should be answered. There's been plenty of times, amen, where God waited longer and I wanted him to wait. There's been plenty of times where I got actually thrown into the fire. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, it would have been one thing. Could you see there they are and they're getting ready to come up to the fire and the king says, you know, I just got this thought. You guys are pretty good leaders in my kingdom. I, no, let's not do it. Let's, I call it off. I call it off. People would have said, oh, the king is so merciful. Nobody would have given God glory. Sometimes you have to go into the fire for God to get the glory. Sometimes you have to go into a trial. But guess what? How many know yeah, that's a pretty good thing to be on your resume? Oh, yeah, I survived the fire. Yeah, you know, I was, oh, Jesus was in there with me. Didn't even burn my clothes, man. That's a story to tell. See, God wants us to be more than conquerors, overcomers, amen? And so I know so many times our prayers, God, get me out of this. Maybe you're going through a financial difficulty. You're going through it, amen? But when God gives you the breakthrough, you're going to be able to tell somebody else, I used to be in that position, and now I'm here. See, God is able to do things, and that's what church is all about, isn't it? Isn't really what church is all about is seeing the miraculous, seeing breakthroughs, seeing God do something that just cannot be done out there. That's what I love about church, especially this church here, amen. I can tell just by being here, you know, you, you guys are real. There's a bunch of miracles sitting here right now. There's some of you, you wouldn't even be married today, amen, if it wouldn't have been for God in this church. How I many know, man, there's, it, it would have been like, hasta la vista, baby, man, we're, we're, we're done. But God did a miracle. I mean, crime rates would be higher here in the, in the Metroplex if you guys weren't saved. 
true story. You know, the truth of the matter is, most of us, not all of you, some of you were pretty good, but um, most of us say, man, we, we, we did enough that we could have spent time in prison. The only reason we didn't is because nobody caught us. Others spent time in prison, and you probably could have spent a lot more if they would have known everything else you did. But you know what? What that tells me is God's a miracle-working God. I see, I see, man, I, I've got a man in my church, amen. He used to, he, he used to run with the gangs and he was crazy and, and uh, man, Harry, he's leading songs, worshiping God. That's a miracle. I'm telling you, the world can't do that. We used to have uh, right next to our church an AA and, and, you know, AA started out as a Christian organization. They got a godly principle that the world kind of took over. But, you know, they don't have very good success rates. Less than 3% after one year. Not very successful, but they, they were there, and you know, I didn't see any real miracles. You know, they, they exchanged the habit of alcohol for the habit of smoking and drinking coffee. Amen. I'm telling you, those guys, man, they smoked more than, they just like trains out there going at it, man. All of them were, man, and then they were just drinking coffee constantly. I'd walk by there, and they, I'm thinking, man, they're doing something to keep that, that nervous twitch down. Amen. But I want you to know that when you get saved, God sets you free. That's the miracle. I remember before I got saved, I'm telling you, for, for three months, for 90 days, I remember, I used to, as a teenager uh, and a partier, I, was, I, I like to brag a lot about it, and, and I, I would keep a calendar. I was, I'd keep a calendar of all the parties that I'd go to, and I'd crash and did everything, I'd, you know, and uh, so some of my buddies would come over and say, hey, man, you want to see what I did this last month? And it was, you know how guys are, we just like to brag. But I remember for three months straight, I got drunk every single night and got, got high, went out, partied for, for out of 90 days, every day except for three. One day a month on an average, I didn't go out and party. And I remember trying to quit. That was the crazy thing. It was when I was trying to quit. How many have ever tried to quit? And it's just like gets worse. And I remember trying to quit desperately. I remember getting up thinking, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to get drunk. I'm not going to get drunk. And the devil would say, all right, you don't have to get drunk. You know, it's not a sin to drink. Just don't get drunk. How many have ever heard that one? So it's all, right. it's all right to drink. Just don't get drunk. So I'd go out with my buddies and I'd go, okay. They'd say, you want a beer? Yeah, I'll have one. I'd drink it. I'd always do this after I was done with it. I'd go, I'm not drunk. You want another one? I can have one more because I'm not drunk. I have to have another one. And if I was done, I was like, I feel pretty good. I think I can have one more and not still be drunk, you know. But then finally, I'd get one. About the middle of it, I'd just be like, eh, I think I had half of one too many. Oh, well, I might as well finish it. I've already, already passed the threshold, man. I know that's how your minds work too. Amen. And so I remember... For three months straight, drinking, partying, doing drugs and everything. And I, I remember on a Saturday night, man, I, we, got, we got so messed up and we got in uh, fights and we were stealing things from people and we we're going down the highway speeding. Like, you know, people are really stupid when they're, when, they're, when they're drunk and high and everything and you speed. Like, you don't want the cops to get you, but what do you do? You're speeding. You know, so we're speeding down the highway and we get busted and everything and luckily I didn't get thrown in jail. I just, I just had a court date I had to go to and I remember I was so sick of it. I said, I don't want this anymore. 
And I knew where to go. My brother was saved and my sisters were and I had been to that church. I'd had been like you coming and visiting this church every once in a while and then you go back out in the world. You know where to come. Amen. You know how many, there's a lot of people out there. They know where to come back. And so I knew, I said, I told my best buddy, I said, tomorrow I'm going to church, man. I'm going to, I'm going to get saved. I, I knew what I was, I went that, and I didn't tell him I was going to go Sunday morning because I knew it's already three o'clock in the morning on Saturday, and there's no way I'm going to get up in a few hours and go to church. I'm going to sleep this off. I'm going to get up and go to the evening service. So I told my buddy, I'm going to go to the evening service tomorrow night, and, and I got up, and I'm, an hour before I'm about to leave, my buddy calls me and says, let's go party. I said, no, man, I told you I'm going to church, and I was serious. I remember I went to church. I don't remember what the pe preacher preached or anything. I was waiting for him to give the altar call. I said, who wants to be saved? Raise your hand. And the moment he says, who wants to raise your I went down there, amen, I went down there and I prayed and gave my life to the Lord and I'm telling you what, God did a miracle at that altar. He set me free. I never drank another drop of alcohol. I never smoked another joint, amen. I never did any more drugs, amen. God set me free. That was over 31 years ago. 31, January 16th, 1983. 31 years ago, last month. God did a miracle in me. Man, I tried for months to quit. That's what I want to talk about. The miracle of the altar and the miracle of a church service. You know, I know God can move anywhere. God moves out there. I prayed for people uh, uh, on the streets and seen God do a miracle. I've led people to the Lord on uh, my job. I've led people to the Lord in my living room. I've, we've seen miracles. But I want you to know something. When the body of Christ comes together, there is, a, there is a, an anointing and there's something that begins to happen. I, I don't know if you're like this, but I, I used to ask questions like, why do we go to church? You know, what's, what's the importance of that? Now, I know uh, there's this big movement nowadays that, you know, hey, you can just have church in your house. You don't need to go to church, be a part of a church. But you need to understand, Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I will make Christians. Amen. Did you know that? You don't see Jesus say, I will make Christians. No, he said, I will build my church. And a church was a common word, amen, in the Greek. And, and, and you could use the church, for example, if I wanted to use the word church uh, uh, in the Greek, I could use it for, hey, the church is going to go to the football game. It was a gathering of people together, of like mind, something that they were doing. So Texas Stadium, that's just a big church. And people go there and worship. They do it all over America. They do it. I mean, sports is one of the greatest worshiping places. Uh, uh, that's what they do when they all go together and they want to go look at their favorite uh, 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 group or rapper or whatever. They're there worshiping. That's a church service. Amen. And Jesus, though, said, he, he didn't say, I will build a church. I will build my church. And I want you to know that in a church service, there is such potential for God to move and to do things. I want you to think about some of the things that happen in a church service. First of all, the joy of the Lord comes upon people. How many know sometimes you walk through those doors and you're not feeling good? Now, I know some people think pastors always feel good. But it's not true. I tell you, I don't know how many times, especially on a Wednesday when I've been maybe out, I've been doing some work and I'm running this, I'm doing that and I'm running the business and, and I get home. There have been times actually that I have walked in the door at 5.50 
been dressed, cleaned up by 5.55 and out the door in that church. I'm five minutes away from my church, man. I'm telling you, there have been times I walked in, bam, bam, bam. I've called my wife on the phone, get my clothes ready. I'm, I'm coming in. I get up there, man, boom, off, get dressed, amen, brush my teeth, out the door, bam, get to church, get to prayer. And you know what I tell myself on the way? Now, I know Pastor Blake doesn't do this, but I do this every once in a while. I say, this is going to be the shortest service we've ever had. I'm telling you, I'm going to tell the, I'm going to tell the worship team, you're singing three songs, not four tonight. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to move it. Boom. I'm, I'm thinking I can be out of here an hour and five minutes and nobody will notice the difference. I'm going home and I'm relaxing. Now, that may surprise some of you, but we live in our flesh too. And what will happen is, I'm, that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. And I'll get there and I'll start praying and, and I'll get in the presence of God. And man, I'm telling you what, then I'll get up to preach and it's, it's, it's not a short service. It's a long service, amen. God starts moving. There's something that happens. How many know you walk through those doors and you don't have joy? You, you're in your flesh. How many have ever come to church in your flesh? Amen. We all come in our flesh. That's why a lot of times, man, I put some worship music on the way, trying to get my spirit on the way, amen. I don't, my wife will tell me sometimes, Alan, you got to settle down, man. I can get, I'm, I can be bad, amen. Y'all think I'm all nice and all that. My church thinks I'm talking, man, Pastor, he's weird. The other day, you know, somebody uh, was, uh, was at church and they were, they would, the, the, we got a trash can that has a lock and they didn't have a lock and they were just going to put the trash somewhere and I remember just I'm in my truck and getting ready to leave and I saw what they're doing I just kind of man I looked at them man, really like what are you can you are you just going to leave that trash there you know and I had to go and get the key for them and everything and got back in the car and my wife rebuked me said man you got to quit being so mean to them why because I got in my flesh you can get in your flesh pretty quick Amen. You can get we get in our flesh. We come to church in our flesh. Amen. Sometimes you can you can be in church and you're all in your spirit and you're on the way home. You get right back in your flesh. But you know what? I thank God that I've never had to come to church in my flesh and not feel the presence of God and be encouraged. Amen. There's something that happens in a church service. The power of God begins to move. The spirit of God begins to move. And I'm telling you something. There are miracles that happen in this place. Do not underestimate the importance of the church. And I used to ask the question, like, why do we have church? And then, and then when I said, okay, I see why we need to have church. You know, that's where people are getting saved and and, and we're praying for the sick. And how many know, man, God does miracles, healing people. How many have ever been healed in a church service? How many have ever gotten a word in a church service, amen? How many have ever gotten a miracle in a church service? How many have ever brought somebody and they got saved in a church service? It sounds like a lot of stuff is happening in church services. You come to church discouraged and you leave, amen, full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know, man, the Shekinah glory of God begins to show up when people gather together. Where two or more people gather together, the Bible says, I will be there in their, in their presence, amen. If they agree on anything, it shall be done. Something happens. And I want you to know, we live in a world today that is attacking the church service in every way. And we need to understand something. I learned this a long time ago as a pastor. And all of you guys that have a call of God on your life, you need to understand this. This will help you. You and I, we are not God. I can't change anybody. 
I can't change you. I've tried. I've tried to talk people into getting saved. I'm good at it now. I mean, I got scriptures. I can hit them with the left, the right, uppercuts. I can, I can put them in a headlock with the word of God. They can talk about, well, you know, dinosaurs. I got answers for dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, I can, just, I can make them feel this small if I want to. But you know, I can't make them get saved. You want to get saved? <laughs> no. I don't believe. What do you mean you don't believe? I just explained it all to you. The Bible says all you can do is plant the seed, water the seed, but God gives the increase. Amen. That helped me a lot, man, when I used to go out and evangelize and think, oh, man, I can't believe I've knocked on 50 doors and nobody got saved. It was, a, it was a total waste of time. And God said, what do you mean? That'd be like a farmer going out planting 50 acres and say, oh, that's just a waste of time. Amen. In due season, you're going to get it. Amen. You're going to see something. But I want you to know something. God is ready to move. He's ready to do something. God is a miracle working God. Don't believe what the world is saying. Amen. That the church isn't important. The church service isn't that important. But that's why the, the world that you and I live in today, they don't want that many church services. Hey, one a week is good enough. Now, I'm going to, hear, I'm going to give you some insight. This is going to help us tonight. Amen. Because I, I, I know that God gave me revelation of the importance of a church service. Amen. And there's the first and foremost, we need to understand that's where the miraculous happens. That's where we, and like I said, it's not the only place it happens. It happens out there. But something is unique when we gather together. There's an atmosphere for people to get saved. Amen. There's something that begins to transpire. It's a, it's a miracle. Amen. And then it's good for the sinner. It's good for the backslider. It's good for the saint. It's good for baby Christians and adult Christians. God has something for everybody in a church service. If it's only the presence of God that you feel and the encouragement of his presence, that's good enough. But there is something that happens in the church service. I thank God for it, amen. I so appreciate that, that it is not me that's making it happen, but it's God that's making it happen. So first and foremost, you have to value that service because Jesus said in Matthew, amen, chapter 16, he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when we think about this, we begin to understand, my goodness, that church service is important. What we need to understand is the key to that church service is God. The presence of God. Not the quality of the music. Not the atmosphere we create. Not the uh, uh, smooth uh, charisma of the pastor. Not even the special music that, you know, makes you feel really good when we do the altar call. Now, can all those things help? Yes, but that's not the key to God moving. You see, too many times what man does is he does not truly contend for the anointing, so he creates atmosphere himself for people to be touched emotionally. So what happens today in modern Christianity is, and I'm, I'll tell you, I'm, I know what I'm talking about. I've been around the block enough. We begin to create. So now let's, let's create uh, uh, the right music. We got to have all, it has to be special music. It has to be professional music. You know, I have, how many have musical preferences? There's nothing wrong with musical preferences. 
I've got some, man, they love the oldies in my church. They tell me, Pastor, we need to see more of the oldies at the cross, at the cross. I've got other people, man, who say, oh, man, I love, you know, this this group, and I love this, and I like Hillsong, and I like that. And you know what? I have my own preferences. But you know what? I can worship God with any song. Because it ain't about, oh, that song made me feel so good. That'd be like me singing happy birthday to my, my daughter, but singing it for me. Happy birthday. Oh, yeah. I just I like to sing it. She'd be like, what's wrong with you, Dad? Oh, whew, I got something out of that. Did you, hun? No. You see, I want you to understand something. You know what God wants? God says church is about him. It's all about him. It's not about us. Church is about the Lord. I didn't come here for me. I came here for him. See, that's what happens if we come for each other, if we come for ourselves. that's all we're going to get. But I came here tonight to get a touch from God. I came here tonight, amen, to be in the presence of the Lord. I came here tonight to see God do something that man cannot do. Church needs to be vertical, not horizontal. And that's the problem in the modern church world today is it's all horizontal. Everything is okay. We want to sing the music that you like. We want to, to create the temperature that you like. The lighting that you like. The style that you like. I'm going to preach something that is sensitive to you. Seeker sensitive services instead of God sensitive services. Amen. I mean worship services for the people instead of a worship service for God. See, we've got to, we have to come to church with this mentality. It's not about me. It's about God, and I'm going to do whatever I can. It doesn't matter, amen, if they sing long or short, two songs, four songs, or five songs, amen. How many know we, that's how the devil works? He gets in your flesh, and he goes, man, this is long. I had a guy come up to me one time. You know, we had a great worship service. And I can tell you, my worship leader, he is not, he, he is not prideful in any way. He's very humble. I had a guy come up to me one time and say, man, you know, I just kind of had a bomb with this service today, the worship. I said, why? He goes, oh, I think so-and-so man was just, he was like he was having a hip-hop concert. And I, now, this is a new baby Christian. How many know babies talk like babies? Now, this will help you. You get to learn who are babies in their spirit and who aren't. Now, if a mature believer came and told me that, I would probably rebuke him. But a baby told me that. And so I took the baby and I just kind of cleaned him up. Amen. That's what you do with babies. <laughs> said, you know, you got some dribble here and we're going to get a little spit off you. And, and I just said, well, you know, I said, you know, but didn't you feel the presence of God? I said, you know, I, I didn't feel that. I didn't think that. I said, God began to move. I said, you know, it may just be style. I said, you know, there was a guy in my church when I first got saved. I, I kind of didn't like him that much. And he became my best friend. And, and I just kind of ministered to him a little bit. And he goes, oh, you know, I think you're right. You know, now I see him now. Now we're having the same worship service the next week. And he's just going at it now, man. He's just having a Holy Ghost time. Amen. You know, it's like we, it's just things that we learn. Amen. I've had a few kids. I've learned. Amen. <laughs> it used to be, you know, they'd fall down. I go, we got to take them to the hospital now. You know, just rub some dirt on them. They'll be all right. Well, it's just dirt and oil, anointing oil. That works really good. Hallelujah. 
But you know, there's something about it's the presence of God. And so some people are going to get in their flesh and they're going to think it's too long or this or that. Or, and, and there's all those things you got to deal with. Listen, my purpose as a pastor in my part that I play, I'm not, I'm not here to entertain. I'm not here to make people like me. I'm here, amen, I'm in a contending because I know where God's going to move is at this altar. And this is something that you need to understand. It, it, all of church, I, I remember asking this question to myself. Why do we do church the way we do? I mean, I've read the Bible a number of times, and it doesn't say, start off with a prayer meeting, and uh, then sing four songs, too slow, too fast, too slow, and then take the offering, or pray, and then take the offering, and then announcements, and then preach, and then altar call, and then go home and eat chicken. <laughs> or enchiladas, Amen. How many know there's nowhere in the Bible that says have a church service that way? Now, the Bible tells us about how, to, how they worshiped and some people would bring uh, this, you know, and, and do this and there's all of these things. But I, I, I know one thing is that there's a reason for it. And I begin to pray, God, what, what, what was the reason? Why do we do this? Why do we have an altar call? This is just a stage, Amen. In the Old Testament, altars were made out of stones and, and rocks and bricks, and, and this is just a stage, amen, but what makes it an altar? You know what an altar is? An altar is a place that you come and kneel before the Lord and you touch heaven. Did you know, uh, in, in our, uh, I want to read you this real quick. This is found in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, we see this where Jacob comes to the Lord, and, and he comes to the Lord, and he has a dream in uh, Genesis chapter 28, and it says in, in verse 12, uh, uh, or in verse 10, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, Genesis 28, 10, and he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Now what he was doing, he didn't lay his head on the stone, he put the stone at the, at, uh, and then he laid his head right next to that. And uh, at that night it says that he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Behold the Lord stood above it and said I am the Lord God of Abraham your father God of Isaac the, God, uh, uh, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. And God begins to tell him and give him the same blessing that he gave to Abraham. And Jacob in verse 16 says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as an altar or a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And in the Hebrew, what that word means is, he, where it says he took the pillar and poured oil upon it. It is the Hebrew word, Mashiach, where we get the word Messiah the anointed one. That stone was an anointed stone. It was a Mashiach or the anointed one. And he said, the very place that I'm at is Bethel and it is surely, this is the place of God. Bethel is the word house of God. He said, this is the house of God. And you know what's happening in the house of God? There's a ladder, amen, that is at the foot of that altar that stone that he had going up to heaven and the angels of God are ascending and descending, amen, ministering. And it's a picture, it's an Old Testament picture of any time that we are in the house of God and we make an altar, there is the, the angels of God are ascending and descending. God's blessing is right there. I tell you, I have seen more miracles at the altar. 
I have seen people come up, amen, and just break down in tears. I'm thinking, why are they crying? I had a guy, man, big old tough dude, man. He's like, and he even came down the altar. You know, I've seen these guys, they're tough, and they come down the altar. <laughs> they start crying. You know why? He didn't know this is the house of God. And there's, 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 some, there's a spiritual gateway right there. And man, he's, he got down and the spirit of God came down upon him. I've seen people come at that altar and just the spirit of God moved so powerfully. And God showed me years ago, he said, do not underestimate what I do at an altar, amen. It is the house of God and it's the altar at the house of God where God begins to move, amen, from heaven down to earth. And God told me, he said, don't you ever neglect the altar. You make time for that altar. You teach the people how important the altar is because we need to understand something. Everything about that church service is about entering into the presence of God and letting God speak to us, but it's the altar where the lives are changed. Do you know your life is not changed sitting there hearing this sermon? Your, your life will be changed when you come to the altar and deal with God. See, this is what it's all about. I want you to think about our whole church service. You know what it's like? God showed me this. I said, Lord, why do we do all these steps, A, B, C, D, E, F, G? And God said, he showed me. He says, I am funneling everyone to the altar. Everything about the church service is funneling to the altar. How many know it's not easy to pour oil without a funnel? Amen. Funnel's a good thing. Amen. And so that funnel, and so God began to show me though how every part of that church service play, or everything we do in that church service plays a part to get people to that altar and get the presence of God. Now first and foremost, we need to understand that's why there is an attack today to get rid of the altar. You know why people at churches are getting rid of altar calls? Because they're creating the atmosphere. They've got the lighting, they got the right music, they got the PowerPoint, they got the, they got the smiling preacher, they got the, the the step one, two, three, and and then now just take what my great wisdom that I've just given you, and you go and become better people. I can't, you can't have them come down the altar because ain't nothing going to happen. There ain't no conversion. You know why? Because they didn't get hold of God. Amen. It's all about us. I, I was listening to, a, a, a read an article recently about a Chinese pastor who had visited America and he began to visit a lot of the different churches and when he was leaving, one of the pastors asked him, so what do you think about the church in America? And you know what his quote was? He thought for a moment, he says, I'm amazed by how much they can do without God. Well, we don't need God. We got money. We got, we got uh, nice buildings. We've got uh, great lighting and sound and professional bands and all that. Listen, don't fall for it. Don't get seduced by it, amen? Hallelujah. God told me, he goes, don't you go down that road. My altar is the place where I move. That's in the house of God where my ladder is set up. And I'll come down. And when you begin to see that, how many know you want to come to the altar? Because that's where the ladder is. Amen. God says, I'll bring my angels down and give you the answer. The spirit of God will begin to move and give you a transformation. That's why people are miraculously saved. And their life is changed. There's been times at an altar, I've laid hands on somebody, and I'm telling you, to just the God's honor truth, I didn't feel anything. I'm praying for him. I want to feel something. God, show me. 
Lord, they're healed. Lord, they're healed. I know it. Ain't nobody falling. Ain't nobody. They ain't, they ain't, they're not even going like this. They're just. I remember one time I prayed for a whole people, did a, a healing service. Prayed for everybody. It was I didn't feel nothing, nothing, nothing. I had nobody crying. There was no emotion. And then I get up and the Lord said, now I want you to ask for how many people got healed. And I said, I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. The moment I do that, everybody's going to know, man, that I ain't got an ounce of power. That my whatever, I just, there was nothing happening here tonight. And God says, son, it's not about you, is it? All right. Uh, he said, come on. And so I said, I'm in here tonight, you know, and I always ask him this way. You really know you were healed. You had a pain. It's not one of these that go, I just believe. I know I am. I'm going to check when I get home. No, you really know. And hands started going up. People, yes, I got healed. When you touched me, man, I felt heat and this. And I'm thinking, well, I wish I'd have felt some heat. <laughs> Been nice if I felt something when I was praying for you, you know. But God, he, he, God knows it ain't about you, son. It ain't not about you. It's about those people at that altar. It's about me touching their life. Amen. And there is power at the altar, and we don't despise the altar. I'm telling you, you're going to find the altar throughout Scripture. It's everywhere. Do you know the very first thing that Noah did after he gets out of the ark? He built an altar, and he sacrificed to the Lord. Some people think that Noah took two animals of every, of every animal. No, he didn't. You didn't read your Bible. He took seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal. Now, seven is not an even number. It's odd. The clean animal that he took seven of, there were three pairs and one individual. And the one individual of that seventh animal was sacrificed, all of them. All the number sevens were. Why? Because the seventh is the, is the number of God. And he sacrificed those to the Lord. Amen. You can reread it there in Genesis. You'll find out I'm not lying to you. Hallelujah. But see, that's what, here it is. Noah builds an altar. Do you know the first thing Abraham does when he gets into the land? He builds an altar. What do we see here, right here? I, I, I saw this, the power of the altar. When God showed this to me years ago, and he said, that altar is where my ladder is. It's in the house of God. That's why we come to the house of God. And then God showed me this. Uh, when uh, How many remember when uh, Jacob uh, came out of, uh, of, 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 of uh, uh, his father-in-law's, you know, Laban, and he was coming back, and, and he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. How many remember that? So he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord, and uh, the angel of the Lord is saying, let me go now, and he says, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. How many want a blessing? How many want blessing tonight? Amen. I want a blessing too. We're just, we're just like Jacob, though. Does anybody know what the name of Jacob means? Jacob's very name meant schemer, supplanter. In fact, if you look at when he, he, he snuck in, you, how many remember when he, he, he gets, uh, his mama says, uh, put on these hairy clothes and everything, you know, these animal skins and go play like your, your brother Esau. And uh, he says, uh, uh, tell daddy, uh, you know, hey, I'm Esau and, and I want the blessing. And so he does it and he gets the blessing. And he comes out and Esau comes in and says, hey, dude, here I am. And he says, hey, who are you? Uh, I'm Esau. Well, well, your brother Jacob just came in and played like you. And you know what Esau said? Surely his name, Jacob, is who he is. For he has supplanted me these two times. And he's taken my birthright and he's taken my blessing. His very name meant supplanter, schemer. How many schemers were here? Amen. You old schemers. You used to be schemers. Amen. We're not anymore. So Jacob's name is Schemer, and he knows that everywhere he's gone, that's how he's gotten ahead in life. 
And now he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord. He says, angel, he goes, give me a blessing. And you know what the angel of the Lord, which is, is really the pre-incarnate Christ, he tells him, he goes, uh, what's your name? As if God didn't know. What's your name? And he goes, my name's Jacob. He goes, that's right. Your name is Jacob. You are supplanter. He said, but you will no longer be called Jacob. You will be called Israel, which means prince with God. How many like that name change? That was his blessing. God says, I know your character, you little conniving schemer. You want a blessing? I'm going to change your character. Somebody, that's what the altar does. Did you know that? You come up here many times and you're saying, God, I want a blessing. You come up last night, God, I want a financial breakthrough. God says, okay, let's start working on your character. Stingy, fearful, hold back, you know, I don't know, you know, if I want to do this, amen, timid, just jump in and watch what God will do. But you know what's amazing about that story is Jacob, he wrestled with God and because he wrestled with God, God said, this is what I'm going to do, I'm changing your name. And did you know that's what the preaching of the word is? The preaching of the word is wrestling with you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says uh, it is the word of God is alive. The word of God is Jesus. You read this and you, if we could put it all together, what you're going to find in the Old Testament, the altar the, uh, or, or uh, the, the, the angel of the Lord who wrestled with Jacob was Jesus, amen, before he came as flesh. He was, he was always called the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. And he's wrestling. So Jesus is the one who's really wrestling with Jacob. Amen. It's pre-incarnate Jesus. And so now what we find is in, in the New Testament, the Bible says in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God is Jesus. And so Jesus loves to wrestle. And so when I preach the Word of God, the sermon, the Word of God wrestles with you. Do you know what? I can preach a message and a hundred people can be here and they will hear a hundred different sermons. I've had people come and say, Pastor, that sermon really touched me, man. When you preached on this, I'm like, I didn't. I don't tell them. I just think in my head, I didn't talk about that. Man, I wasn't. My, didn't you hear the what I told you my sermon was about? You know, I'm thinking, where did they get that? Everyone hears it through their own ears and their own eyes. It's amazing. I'll preach a message, and I have people come and say, did my wife talk to you? Did my husband tell you? I've had visitors come and say, hey, preacher, did uh, Joe who robbed me, did he tell you about what's going on in my life? You know, no, what's going on in your life? I ain't telling you either, man. He goes, but everything you just preached, that whole sermon was aimed right at me. Aimed at, how many have ever felt like the message is aimed at you? That's because the Holy Ghost knows how to wrestle with you, amen? He takes the word, Jesus is a great wrestler, and he wrestles with you in the message. But listen, if I end the sermon, if I end the service with just the word of God being preached, all that's happening is you've been beat up. And that's why a lot of guys, they want to preach such a good message. They don't want you to feel like you're being beat up. They got to, I'm going to tell you, the word will beat you up. It'll, it'll wrestle you a little bit. It'll put you, the Holy Ghost, amen, we use God's word, put you in a headlong. Say, now, I'm telling you, you need to quit doing this. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get you over here to grow. The Lord is always challenging us. How many know the word of God discerns our heart? The Lord knows your heart, so he wrestles with you. But you know what? It's at the altar where you really change. And I'm going to show you this here. Amen. I'm kind of moving fast. But in Genesis, he wrestled with the Lord in chapter uh, 28. But if you move over, 
I'm sorry, chapter 32 is where he wrestled with the Lord. He wrestled with God there in 32, and God tells him in chapter 32, he says, in verse 28, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then we see three chapters later in chapter 35. Listen here, Genesis chapter 35. And God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel. How many remember where Bethel is? That's where the first place he slept and he got, Bethel is called the house of God. He says, dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household, to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, for I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. And so in verse seven, he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him when he had fled from the face of his brother. And listen to what it says in verse 10. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. And I remember I read that and I thought, hold up. Three chapters ago, you said his name was going to be Israel. Why are you calling him Jacob? God, I don't get this. You, you told him three chapters ago after he wrestled with you, he said, bless me. And you said, okay, I'm going to change your name. What's your name? Oh, it's Jacob. Okay, no longer will you be called Jacob. Now you're going to be called Israel. And now God's coming to him and he's saying, hey, Jacob. You know why? Something hasn't changed in him yet. He's reminding him. Be like, you know, sometimes, you know, you come to the altar and, and, and you get saved and, or you, you pray about something. It'd be like God saying, hey, sinner. I thought I was saint, you know, or, or whatever, you know. Lord, why are you calling me that? He's convicting you. Hey, fearful. But Lord, I, you know, listen, he's, he tells him, Jacob, you shall not, not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel at that point in time. What God showed me was this, is that when he wrestled with God, God challenged him and told him, I'll bless you by changing you. But it wasn't until he went to Bethel, house of God, and he made an altar, that's where God really changed his name. And that's why this altar is the place we need to be. The altar is the most important place of the church service, amen. That's why, amen, we make time for that altar. That's why we want you to know it doesn't matter whether you are a leader in the church, a visitor in the church, whether you come to the altar every service, this is the place to be, amen. Don't let the devil, how many have ever felt the devil say, man, don't go down there, people are going to think something. Now, if you're a leader, you know what you're going to do sometimes? Before you get up to go down the altar, you're going to lift your head and see if any other leaders are going. Uh, it's safe. How <laughs> I many know sometimes we want to know if it's safe? You know, if I said tonight, God opened your eyes, and God opened your eyes, and you saw this ladder from heaven coming down right here, and angels just standing with blessings ready to pour out on you, how I many know you'd run to the altar? You wouldn't say, Who's going? I'd be like, Get out of my way. I want right there under the ladder, man. I want the best spot. See, that's how the devil robs us of blessing. Pride, fear, you know, ego. Oh, man, I can't go down there. There's times after I'm done preaching, I, 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 I just kneel down over here. I got a little amp behind me, and I, I just kneel down there and pray. Tell the people, well, you, you, I got to pray too, man. You got to get on it. Hallelujah. And then I pray for a little bit, then I get up and lay hands on them. Why? Because I need something from God. Now, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to move real quickly. 
you need to understand something. What happens at this altar is in direct correlation to our prayers. We need to pray for a move of God. We need to contend for that. And that's why we start a service with prayer. Some people think service starts at 7. No, service starts at 6. We give a whole hour to prayer because the Lord said, could you not tarry one hour? And that's why there's always a hindrance against people from praying. But I'm going to tell you here, just real, this, this helped me so much in, in going to that prayer room because when I grew up, I, I wasn't, I, I could pray for 15 minutes. You, I'm going to tell you something. You can pray for 15 minutes in your flesh. I'll watch people. Most people will kneel down. They'll pray 15, 20 minutes. That's all your flesh will handle. Your flesh can't give you anymore. Your, your flesh will start, your mind's going here, going there. You know, you're thinking of this, you're thinking of that, you know, and then next thing you know, you're just kind of nodding. Or you're, you got to learn how to get in your spirit and contend in prayer. Contend in prayer. And what happens is we, we're just kind of there, and God showed me, he goes, Alan, he goes, do you, do you understand what I want to do in this service today? I have no idea who's going to come. I don't know who's coming. I don't know what needs you have. All I know is unless God shows up, it's not going to be good. I need God to show up. I tell my leaders, amen, I need you to be in that prayer room with me. I need you to pray because I don't know what kind of problems are coming through that door. I don't know what person is coming through who needs salvation. I don't know what the people of God are going through. But I know one thing. They need to have an experience with God or it's going to be a worthless service, amen. If they don't get a touch from God, if all they get is a church service, we need a God service, amen. And, but the church, amen, is going to be, the, the, what we do will help determine what happens. I was thinking about this. Do you know what? The, one of the greatest church services that ever happened was the very first one, the day of Pentecost. But you know what, pre, what, what happened before that day of Pentecost? They were in prayer in one accord. There was a great prayer meeting. And that prayer meeting, amen, something happened and they contended and the service was great. I'll tell you, Holy Ghost fell, Peter gets up. They, first of all, they're in prayer. They're praying and the Spirit of God moves in that place. Uh, amen, tongues of fire come on them. The gifts of the Spirit starts moving. They're all speaking in tongues, amen. They start worshiping. They have a worship service. They're up on the rooftop. Glory to God, speaking in tongues and praising God, having a good worship service without any music instruments. People, a whole bunch of sinners are down there and they start saying, boy, you people are drunk. Peter says, it's time to preach, amen. He starts preaching the word of God and 3,000 get saved and then they take them out and get them baptized. How many want that kind of church service? Well, it started in prayer. Later on, devil got mad, arrested Peter, threw him in jail. Guess what? They have a, they have a, a prayer meeting, amen. And because of that prayer meeting, there was a Holy Ghost jailbreak. You know what? Peter was up on the roof one day. He was preaching. God gave him a vision and said, rise and kill and eat. Peter said, I won't eat anything unclean. The Lord said, don't count what I've cleaned unclean. And then Cornelius' men came to his gate. And God, because of that prayer meeting, he was able to listen to the Lord. And he went and he preached to Cornelius and all of those Gentiles. And the first Gentile church service happened because Peter was in prayer and because Cornelius was in prayer. You read it. It was because those men were in prayer that God orchestrated the church service and we're to all of us Gentiles today, we're saved because they had a prayer meeting. Amen. So don't underestimate that prayer meeting. And understand when you pray back there, one of the things that will help you is to pray for the church service. 
I, I remember I used to go to church and I'd be praying, okay, what can I pray? How many know sometimes we just, we run out of things to pray for? Anybody else? You run out of things to pray for? And so, okay, I mean, I got, and you pray for some for 10 minutes and you go, hmm. And so we get these little checklists. I pray for this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, this need, this need, this need, this need. <laughs> okay, all right, Lord, I'm done. 20 minutes, man. I got, what else am I going to pray? I, begin, I can tell you, I can pray for an hour anytime but just for that church service. Every Sunday morning I get there, I get an hour before, and amen, and I begin to pray. First of all, I pray for the church, the prayer meeting. I begin to pray, amen. I'm maybe the first one there, and I begin to pray, God, bring in people right now. Lord, bring in people to this prayer meeting. Fill this place, Lord God, with, Lord, uh, intercessors. I loose the spirit of intercession. I pray right now, Lord, for people to have a spirit of intercession. People start trickling, man. They start praying. I pray against every hindering spirit that will hinder the prayers of the people. I then begin to pray for that church service and I want you to think of the funnel. So we're going to go step by step by step and we're going to, we're, then we're going to have an altar call. I then begin to understand, you know what, there are people who need to come. First of all, I need the church to come. How many have ever been hindered from coming to church? Do you know there's plans of the devil to stop you? So I start praying for that. I said, Lord, I call forth in the name of Jesus. You know, you told Ezekiel, when you showed him those dead, dry bones, can these bones live? And you said, Lord, you know they can. And he said, speak to the bones. And so I begin to speak in the spiritual realm, in that prayer room. Lord, I call forth backsliders. I call forth sinners. I call forth the church. I bind every hindering spirit that's hindering people. Lord, fill this church today. Lord God, there's been people who've been invited. Bring them, Lord God. Whatever spirits are hindering them, Lord, I pray against it. I pray against arguing spirits this morning. Sleepy spirits, amen? Get those people in church, Lord. I prayed them in. One time, I'm telling you, this happened. The first time it ever happened, the Lord put somebody in my heart who has been backslidden for over a year, and I began to pray, and I said, Lord, I call them in today in the name of Jesus, and they showed up. I have done that. I've been amazed. I, I do that a lot now. I have a whole list of names of backsliders, and I'll begin to pray. Just last week, before we uh, came here, last Sunday, man, we, God had been putting this one girl and her family on my heart. They'd been backsliding for about two years. I began to pray for them. They walked in the door, her and her son, and they got saved. I've seen that happen many, many times, amen. I'm praying them in, I'm praying them in. And then I begin to pray for all, everything that's gonna happen. I pray for that, bring people in, and then I begin to pray. Lord, I pray this morning over our children's ministry. I pray, and I pray for all the children's church workers. I pray over those kids. I pray specifically over them. I pray for anointing over them. I pray for the nursery. How many know those little babies sometimes, they get all rowdy. I pray specifically for the nursery. I said, God, I speak the spirit of peace over those babies. Uh, Lord, every baby that walks in that nursery, there's going to be an anointing in that nursery, peace and joy, and those workers are going to be full of grace, and you're going to, Lord, the presence of the Lord's going to be there. I begin to pray that. I pray for all of our greeters, amen, that they would be filled with so much love uh, that people walk in and they just see a smiling face, uh, amen, and I just begin to pray for all of that. I begin to just speak the word of God over all of that beginning of that service, and then how many know we're about to have worship. That's where we start. And I begin to pray for the worship team. I pray against that, that we would all have the spirit of uh, uh, true worshipers and, and spirit and truth. And I pray for that and believe God. And I'm telling you, the Lord will give you all kinds of things to pray. All kinds of things. And you begin to look at that as we're looking at that. Okay, get them in the church. All these ministries, the worship service. So I begin to pray for that. And then I begin to pray, amen, for the offering. I pray, God, I loose upon our church the blessings of the Lord. I speak over the church the liberality. I pray, Lord, whatever needs are there, Lord God, that, that Lord people will plant and have their needs met. I just begin to speak it, amen. I, if we need more money, I pray it in. 
That service, Lord, I have belief, I have faith. I begin to pray for that church service. I, do, I pray for myself, God, anoint me to preach your word. Let your word go forth. Let it not return void. Let it accomplish what it's been sent to do. Lord, let everybody have ears to hear and eyes to see. And you can, I'm telling you, you can get so deep into praying for each one of these areas. It's amazing using that, just that format of praying for that service. What, but here's the reason I do it. I don't take it and go, well, I need to spend an hour in prayer, so I'm going to just pray this way. I'm doing all of that because my last prayer is for the altar. And I begin to pray, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. We can't do this. We need your presence to convict people. We need your presence, Lord, to bring joy. And the mir- I begin to loose the gifts of the Spirit, the miracles of God. I pray for souls to be saved. I pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. And I just begin to contend and contend and contend. And then when I walk out of that prayer room, I know I've covered the whole service in prayer. And that altar is where I'm trying to bring it all down to. That's where we're trying to bring it to. You know why? Because that's where the ladder is that reaches the heaven. And that's where God moves on your behalf. So my question to you tonight is, what do you need from God? What is God trying to do in your life? Has God, has God wrestled with you? Is God trying to encourage you? Is God trying to build your faith? Do you need salvation? Do you need a breakthrough? Because the altar is the place that you come and lay something down and say, God, I need you. And I want you to know, when you come to an altar, many times what you need to understand is an altar is a place of sacrifice. If you want a new life in Jesus, you're going to have to sacrifice your sin at the altar and leave it there. Do you know how many know it would be really a weird thing for someone to go and take a lamb, put it on the altar, kill it, and then afterwards say, oh, let me take my lamb back with me. No, Dead. You leave dead things at the altar. Let God consume it with fire. That's why salvation is you can't come to the altar and say, God, I want a new life. I want my sins forgiven and everything, and then take your sin back with you. You got to leave it at the You got to leave the old man. Crucify the old man, rise up in a new man. Sometimes you'll come to this altar and you need to, you know what you need? If you want joy, you want the joy of the Lord, why don't you sacrifice the discouragement of the devil? So you know what? I'm leaving my discouragement at the altar. I'm leaving my negative thinking at the altar. I'm leaving my fear at the altar. I'm leaving these things at the altar. They don't belong. I don't want them anymore. And if the devil says, hey, 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 take here. Tomorrow he may bring it back to you. Hey, I brought this. Hey, no. That ain't my man. That's the Lord's. I don't want it. Lord, the devil's a thief. He's trying to take that from you. I gave it to you. I tell you, God will take care of him. But this will help you, amen, to understand every service. How many know Sunday morning? Whoo, this is where it's all going to happen right here. How many believe there's going to be someone new who's going to get saved Sunday? There's going to be people who are going to get healed Sunday. How many believe tonight there's going to be some miracles? Let's bow our heads in prayer, amen. Every head bow and every eye close in reverence.